Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. It was Christmas Eve, Brad, in the studio. My co-host said to me, Won't see another one. And then we played some songs. Mixed bourbon with Mountain Dew. We turned our mics away. And dreamed about you. Here are our picks for a virtual Christmas number one playlist in the 80s. This holiday episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by... The 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman and Alan Hunter in spring 2024 for a week-long trip aboard the World Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, The English Beat, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, and more. Yes, the cruise is sold out, but you can still have a good shot of coming along if you join the wait list. And don't forget to tell them that those jolly fellows that stuck in the 80s sent you just go to www.the80scruise.com for more information I'm a little confused as to what exactly you're selling there, Santa Spearsy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in the holiday wistful spirit thanks to our uh, unique opening this week. Mm, yeah, lots of reasons to be wistful over that song. Yeah. Let alone just, you know, just to start with the song itself. Mm. So what present did you leave under the tree for me this year, Brad? Well, Steve, uh, many things. But I started wondering what it would be like if... We had Christmas number ones here in the U.S. like they do in the U.K. Ah. But no such chart really exists or accolade, if you will. And so I thought, well, maybe let's just look and see what songs were number one at Christmas every year during our decade. And um, I did that, and it's kind of a crappy list. Like, they're (laughs) boring. Not boring. They're just, obviously, they're number ones, but they're... There's nothing holiday-like about them. They just happen to be released at the right time so that they top the charts at Christmas. And the songs we've talked about 100,000 to 200,000 times. So we pivoted. It's our podcast. It's our rules. And voila, we bring you our favorite holiday song from each year of the decade. You know, the whole idea that Christmas number one, I I wasn't aware of until... I saw the movie Love Actually. 
<laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I, am I, well, is that too predictable? No, it's fantastic. I love it. I, um, I know that there are many problematic things with that movie, but I always will watch it every year, and I have a soft spot for it. I, I love that the UK has this. It just shows that um, even though we beat them a few hundred years ago in some meaningless war, that they still ha- they still set the high mark for culture. They still have some they have some <laughs> ideas that we should take a look at. I just love the fact that there's something special about being number one at Christmas. Have you ever been in uh, London or Britain during the holidays? I have not. I have not either, but it's on my list. Sounds cold. <laughs> it couldn't have been any colder than Germany was. Well, okay, you make a good point. Anyway, so look. Some of these some of these songs may seem familiar to longtime listeners. We covered uh, some of these in our happy versus sad holiday song episode way back in episode 433. Perhaps you would, gentle listener, care to guess at who represented the happy songs <laughs> and who represented the sad songs. You know, should we play them the skit that we opened up with? Because it's, it's real telling as to where I was oh, in that space. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Holiday road trip. This will be just the thing to cheer you up, Spearsy. You're wasting your time, Brad. I basically transformed to Scrooge every December, and not the funny Bill Murray Scrooge. I mean, I'm the really despondent late night Skinamax Scrooge, the one who's going straight to hell because he sold his mother's flatware in order to finance a porn series called Here Comes Santa Claus. Dude, way too dark and way too gross. I can't tell if you're trying to be funny or what. Ugh. Here, let's cheer you up. I took the lead. Somebody's heart. Santa baby, slip a stable under the tree for me. No, 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 no. Let me handle this. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Holy hell. Dude, get some help. Here. I will steer this car straight into a ditch if you do not let me change that channel right now. Okay, okay, I see you're in full Eeyore mode. Let's see if we can compromise. Will this work? Eh. I think the words you're looking for are bah humbug. Okay, so that's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good episode if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, but, but if you're looking for something a little more uh, a little more upbeat, then maybe stick on my side of the street. Yeah, uh, I will say I, we steered away from novelty songs more or less, and <laughs> also steered away from covers of traditional classics. Kind of again, more or less. Like, look, I know we all adore Enya's cover of Silent Night, which isn't called Silent Night, but something in Gaelic that I can't pronounce. But 
how many versions of Silent Night do you really need to hear? You know, it's funny because we sat around last night in the living room here at the Spears Lair, or whatever we call it nowadays. We were having eggnog, and mine was spiked with Wild Turkey 101, and hers was spiked with amaretto. And we listened to a Frank Sinatra CD of Christmas music, and most of it was traditional songs that he kind of reimagined yeah i mean that's pretty typical right yeah and 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 but there was a couple that seemed more original or i hadn't heard them anyway and i really enjoyed those i i I lean with you where it's just like i don't need to hear another cover of jingle bells or santa claus is coming to town i want to hear like some new thoughts you know some a new a new a new glance at the holidays and i think that the songs that you picked for this week's episode do a really great job of that well, I mean, it's not to say that those aren't great songs. They're classics for a reason. But let's mm. talk about the songs that were, you know, that are new in our decade that brought something yeah. interesting to the table. I so, agree. Shall I kick it off with something Please. new that isn't new? <laughs> Please do. Our Christmas number one for 1980, Same Old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg. say how much i love this song first of all i think it's the perfect blend of sad and happy although i guess it's more on the sad side isn't it it really does speak to anybody who is into nostalgia because it's a total nostalgia bomb it's autobiographical too right yeah i did know you love the song which might have had some bearing in why i chose it <laughs> um yeah it is absolutely autobiographical autobiograph- i can't say it autobiographical Fogelberg was visiting his family back home in the mid-70s, and he ran into an old girlfriend at a convenience store, as you do. I have never done that. Yeah, I don't. Either. I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever run into an old girlfriend. I mean, in... Like, not, a, not in a place that you wouldn't have just expected them to be through the course of, you know, like, running into an old girlfriend on the college campus when you're both still in college is not really the same. Yeah, I mean, I... There was a girlfriend I had in high school who we tried to – I don't know if we tried to date again when we were in college, but she showed up one day at the video store I was working at. The video Whoa. Store, pick, pick a flick. Okay. And she asked me out to go to you know downtown Tampa for a night. And I thought, wow, we're getting back together. And um, it, we didn't. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> – And I, we didn't. <laughs> I remember it the night. dude. <laughs> I, I at the end of the night I, I I tried to give her a kiss like not just not a lecherous kiss just a regular just a lean in and good night yeah and she gave me the uh, you know swivel of the head and was just like you know I that's not really what I had in mind Steve <laughs> or something like that or I just want to be uh, friends and I'm like I'm like that's fine I just you know it just seemed kind of weird and yeah so I mean it's 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 so awkward of a memory that I would. I would dare not ask Dan Fogelberg to write a song about it. Ah, uh, yes, but I will write one about one with my, you know, my new hit-making group, Sourdough Brad. 
Um, so when same old Lang Syne peaked on the Hot 100 at number nine, which didn't happen until February of 81, Jeez. the album wasn't out yet. There was no album to buy. And the record company was like, what the fuck are you people doing that? <laughs> so apparently Dan Fogelberg had a, a, an epiphany, an apostrophe over the holidays and realized that this album that he had crafted really needed to be a double album with a bunch more material and all this stuff. So the album didn't come out until August, but don't you worry, Steve. Those poor, poor A&R men got their stocking filled later that year when the <laughs> album they spawned did. three top ten singles and made it all the way to double platinum. Three top ten singles? My God. Yeah. Did you ever own any Dan Fogelberg? I don't think I did. No. I was 13 when this came out. Yeah, I, this I was not. Any, I didn't have any girlfriends, <laughs> let alone old girlfriends to run into. I mean, come on. You, weren't, you, didn't, you didn't share a bottle of wine with an ex-girlfriend when you were 13 years old in the back yeah. of the car? <laughs> a sixer, yeah. No, and no, I drink did not. A toast. You didn't drink a toast to innocence? <laughs> uh, the snow probably did turn to rain, but it was probably while I was delivering newspapers. Yeah. Is there a part of Stone Cold Brad that, that just cries a little bit inside when you hear this song? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's a, sure. it's a song about nostalgia and how it's a trap. And we shouldn't dwell on it on this podcast because all of our listeners will leave us when they realize that it's a trap. I, I, I don't know that I subscribe to that theory of the song's meaning. I think it's... Really? Well, see, I think, it's, I think it just shows like when you... Well, the story he tells is he runs into an old girlfriend and they start to connect, but then their lives are such that they don't connect and they go back their separate ways. So the, for people who it's probably are the most looking realistic to relive song their... That's ever, oh, 100%. 100%. But if you're looking to relive those glory days, that's not the ending you want for Dan Fogelberg on this song. No, but that's the, end, that's the ending that you would have. And that's I, the ending I you're going to get. Yeah. That, I give him credit for, for writing a song that's true versus a Hallmark Christmas movie <laughs> that has a message that is false. Okay. Right. As yes. someone who's seen his share of them in the last couple of years. You know, um, just because that guy's wearing flannel and isn't a lawyer doesn't mean he's <laughs> for you. Uh, okay, let's fast forward to 1981. Okay, we made it all the way to 1981. I try to keep these short so we wouldn't spend all day with you fine people. I promise I don't have a story about every song. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> Okay, this is 1981's pick of the year. Christmas is the time to say I love you by Billy Squire. Billy, 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 before you got tangled up with that Kenny Ortiz guy. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, this this was a B-side on his single, My Kind of Lover. Love that song. And in 1981, there was a Billboard Christmas chart. They had some holiday charts here and there. They had album charts through the whole decade. And singles charts, like, from in kind of weird places. But this made it onto the Christmas singles chart in 1984, mm. three years after it was released. Jeez. I mean, take it, right? Take the money. But what do I want to do now, Steve? Let's talk about the video. Actually, I'll do you one better. Let's quote Martha Quinn talking about the video. Now now we got some street cred in this conversation. 
as part of a 2016 interview she did when she was promoting the book VJ, The Unplugged Adventures of MTV's First Wave, we'll say more about that in a moment, she said this, number one, my top, very favorite MTV moment is Christmas is the time to say I love you. If I had to go back in time and revisit one day, like I could get into the DeLorean and go back for one moment, it would probably be this. What you see in that video, it was recorded within months of our launch, and we were all so starry-eyed, such believers. We were rebels with a cause. Everyone when you see in that video, they're the technicians, the secretaries, the executives, production assistants. We were all one big happy family fighting for MTV. We believe so strongly in the power of rock and roll, and you can really see it there. Wow. I know, right? Damn, Martha. She gives great quote. She does. And I'm just going to say... I know it's late, but if you're looking for a gift for someone, even if they're not a big 80s person, this book is fantastic. Mm. If you haven't read it, you really ought to. Sitting behind me, within about three feet within my reach, is my copy signed by all the VJs. So that's... I actually have two copies. I have the copy that's signed by all the VJs, and then I have the copy that's not signed by anybody. Oh. Yeah. Billy Squire, to me, is just one of those artists who I wish had lasted longer. I... You could play his greatest hits CD anytime and you'd know the words to half the songs, three quarters of the songs. You just, yeah. I just wish, I know he's occasionally performs. I saw him once with Ringo Starr and his all star band, and he played two songs, I think. I think he played yeah. uh, Lonely is the Night. I, I presume the other one was The Stroke, but I'm not sure. I can't. One would hope. <laughs> but it was, he was great. And just, he could have played 10 songs and I wouldn't have been happy. So. Yeah. Just before we move on, I will say we do have an honorable mention for 1981. So put down your angry emails. Christmas wrapping by the waitresses checks in just to say hello. Just doesn't quite get over the top on Billy Squire as far no, as I'm he doesn't. And, and to be honest, I hear it every single time I go to the supermarket. So I really don't need to hear it again on the podcast. Yeah. I feel like calling this out is a little bit like people saying, oh, Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> So you're in you're in tell, you're in the tell, tell, no it's it's fine to say it's a Christmas okay. movie but saying it's my favorite Christmas movie is like tell me you're edgy without telling me you're edgy like get over well yourself. it's like saying that anyway. The Exorcist is my favorite movie my favorite religious movie or something you know it's just like you're just yeah. being weird okay you're just you know you're just you know you want a grandstand grandstand in your own house I don't need that crap. <laughs> Uh, okay, moving on, getting to the Christmas spirit here. Here's 1982's entry on the list. Peace on earth, can it be? Years from now, perhaps we'll see. See the day of glory. See the day You know it, you love it. That's Peace on Earth slash Little Drummer Boy. There's that classic that we told you we weren't going to have by David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Yes, but it doesn't sound like a retread. Yeah, he kind of brings a little something extra to it, which is what I always like in a cover. I, I, I know I'm on the record there. So this was actually originally performed in 1977, which is why when you see David Bowie in that video, you're like, uh, <laughs> is that really what he looks like now? I'm sure you know this, but I'll tell you anyway. It's part of Bing Crosby's final holiday TV special, Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas. 
but it was released then five years later as a single. It showed up on the Hot 100 singles charts in the early 2000s, believe it or not. Peaking at 43, that I cannot yeah, explain. I, Maybe some of the kids who listen can talk us through no that theories. one. Yeah. Have I heard this on the radio? Maybe. No. But the video is what I, if I hear the song, if I think of the song, I think about the video of, of David Bowie just like stopping by for a cup of sugar and like, Bing Crosby, never heard of him. And then singing at the piano with him. Like that's, that MTV clip is just on replay in my sure. brain right now. You, you, know, you got to give it to MTV. You know, they didn't ignore the holidays. Like they, they loved Christmas. Yeah. They, they made an effort. And even when you're at that, Maybe that age of your life, you know, you're in your teens and you're being rebellious and you don't really want to do anything your parents are, you know, insisting that you do. Uh, yeah, so you kind of want to blow off Christmas to some degree. A- MTV was always there to kind of say, hey, you know, it's okay. Christmas can be cool. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you you can have you can have a little bit yeah. of it. Like, don't you know, stick around. It's going to, you know, Christmases are going to get better. Yeah. Like, you know, I know I've told this story, but like Christmas 1991 was pretty dark, but. Christmas 1992, pretty great. So, you know, kind of got to get through the valley to get up the other side sometimes. Let's move on to 1983. Remember this song? He's How many people out there didn't realize that 2,000 Miles was is actually sort of a Christmas song by the Pretenders? The lyrics kind of give it away. Yeah. I, every time I see it on a list, I'm like, wait, really? And then I remember, oh, wait, they talk about it almost being Christmas time quite a bit. I really like this song. It's just got this great groove to it. You know, sometimes the Pretenders have songs where they just have this kind of repeating figure. The other one that I'm thinking of is Time the Avenger that just kind of runs through it, which has to be boring, boring, boring for whoever to play. But it just sets this great kind of sonic bed for the song. And and Chrissy Hines' voice just kind of floating over it. You can can hear the, the sadness in her voice singing about, you know, this song was written as a tribute to their guitarist who died from a drug overdose yeah. at 25. Oh, that was a big blow. They, they stopped touring and they stopped recording to kind of get through this. And this is one of the, the things that they recorded in the aftermath of mm. all that. I turned this on the other day when the wife was asking for Christmas music and she, she said, can you please turn on something happier? <laughs> <laughs> I like this song. I like this song a lot. But yes, it is not an upbeat. It's not an up-tempo number, that's for yeah. sure. It was originally released as a B-side on the Middle of the Road single. So that's why it makes the list for this year. Someday you're going to have to explain to your kids and your grandkids what a B-side is. I know, I know. And then that then it showed up on their next album in 1984, Learning to Crawl, which was named thusly because Chrissy Hines' daughter was learning to crawl. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. There's something happy for you. What were we listening to in 1984? This is the song.
maybe not what you were expecting. Isn't there a challenge this year where you're supposed to like try to avoid hearing this song? It's like some it's like a drinking game or something. I know I read about it on the internet. <laughs> I have I have friends that yeah, I have friends that do the Whamageddon thing every year, like the last person to hear it, you know, the original version in you know, wherever in public or whatever, quote, wins. I'm sorry, people. This song is awesome. <laughs> I could play it on repeat for an hour and still want to listen to it for another Ooh. hour. Maybe that just shows you how broken I am as a person. <laughs> but before we get too far from the elephant in the room, I know there was another Christmas song out this year that you might remember that actually kept this song from being a UK Christmas number one. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about, Yeah, you're talking about Band-Aid, Do They Know yeah. It's Christmas. With the yeah. the, clang, I mean, the clanging ch- uh, chimes of doom. <laughs> yes. At least George Michael can say he was on a Christmas number one and a Christmas yeah. number two at the That's same time. That's probably never been done before, but I don't want to know. Neither do I. I mean, look, you know, Band-Aid got the whole freaking bicontinental concert thing going, so we're giving this one to George yeah. and Andrew. No, I mean, I, I, I think yeah. we – was it this year that we watched the Wham! documentary – and did a whole show on it, and I had a new appreciation of them. Yeah, you know, I was like, okay, I, I get it now. Like, might not have been my favorite band in the eighties. Uh, I wasn't a teenage girl. But you kind of get it a little more, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. yeah, exactly. So this song was written by George Michael in about an hour in his childhood bedroom, and uh, it was released in December nineteen eighty four. Yeah, and thus its inclusion on this list. Uh, and you already did the plug for me on the Wham yeah. documentary on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's a little bit of a Andrew Ridgely apologist kind of time. Like he, his participation and image and whatever you want to call it is really kind of rehabilitated. If it was, if you can rehabilitate something that was never there, really Ooh, to start with, he's got so brutal. much crap for being the world's luckiest best friend. <laughs> I'm the world's luckiest but, best friend. Yeah, it's it's good. <laughs> oh, stop it, Steven Spears! <laughs> this is your world. I'm just living in it. <laughs> We do have an honorable mention for 1984, though, before oh, I can't on. even guess what this would be. I'm not going to play a clip because I don't want to lose too many listeners. But, yep, it's Christmas with the Devil by Spinal Oh, that's Bat. right. Jeez. I heard they're making yeah, a sequel, by the way. What a, There's what a, a sequel coming out. I did, too. Yeah. <sighs> I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've been burned lately by sequels, so we'll yeah, see how I, that rolls I trust out. Yeah, but I trust the masterminds of Spinal Tap to get it right. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, if anybody can do it, it's it's Reiner. <laughs> okay. Don't blow, Rob. Call me if you need some help. Okay, 1985. Jimmy Buffett, Christmas in the Caribbean? Wow. You went deep for this one, Brad. Yeah, we had to dig dig deep on this one. You're not wrong. It was hard to figure out where this song actually came from. It shows up on lists as a Christmas song from the 80s, but I could not find much out about it. Uh, First of all, there's no song facts page. There's no Wikipedia entry. Like, There's no Wikipedia entry on something. Does it exist? (laughs) Then you get sidetracked by a movie of the name Christmas in the Caribbean, which is probably a Hallmark movie. I didn't go too far on that. And then after a little digging, it turns out it's on a compilation of holiday songs was released in 1985 called Tennessee Christmas. However, Amy Grant also had a big song on one of her Christmas albums from earlier in the decade called Tennessee Christmas that 
swamps out all the search <sighs> results. But look, look, let's just back up a little bit, okay? Jimmy Buffett, rest in peace. I saw the song on there, gave it a quick listen. It's exactly what you want from a Jimmy Buffett song. And so out of respect for his laid-back body of work, we bring you this laid-back Did you ever see song. Jimmy Buffett in concert? I did not. I didn't either. He so here's the thing about Jimmy Buffett in Florida. <clears throat> he's he is associated with Florida quite a bit, obviously. He's not from here, sure. not oh, from yeah. here. But uh, I mean, his he casts quite a shadow over Key West. I think the first Margaritaville restaurant slash merchandise store might be in Key West. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they have okay. one there. Yeah, that <clears throat> checks out. They have one there. I've had the fabulous group of Reuben there. When I think about the 80s and Jimmy Buffett, there was a bar in Gainesville where I went to college at the University of Florida called CJ's. And CJ's had quarter beer night every Tuesday. So you Mm. you would order beer by the tray. So they would bring out a tray of plastic cups full of beer. That's that's how (laughs) you order it. it. And at that time, I I had a fake ID or – I mean the drinking age had just changed. So you didn't have to – your ID didn't have to be that great. They weren't like, you know. Right. They weren't sending. In college, you had a mustache <laughs> yes, so you could drink. I had drink. that too. That didn't hurt. At some point during that night, after many, many trays of 25-cent beers, they would start playing Jimmy Buffett on the stereo yeah. system in the bar. And everybody would get on top of the tables, which are picnic tables basically. And I, make, I know this yeah. sounds like a real hoedown kind of redneck experience, but I assure you it was not. <laughs> Or at least not in my mm-hmm. mind. But we would all get on top of the, the picnic tables in this bar that smelled like the most wretched old beer in the world. And we would sing along, you know, at the top of our lungs to Jimmy Buffett songs. Not Christmas in the Caribbean, but, you know, Pencil Thin Mustache and um, Cheeseburger in Paradise and all that kind of stuff. And I always thought that someday I would see the guy in concert. And that it would be like uh, on a beach at sunset, you know, while I'm sipping a daiquiri or something like that. I never, I never saw him. It just never he, happened. He huh? came through Florida all the time, but he always played like the outdoor sheds, you know. And I'm just not, I can't do sure. those anymore. And yeah. uh, so I, I never did get a chance to see him. I, I owned a few of his albums, and because every, I think that's required as a Floridian, but I never did get to have my Jimmy Buffett experience. So. I know Katie saw him at the Hollywood Bowl, and I will not tell her stories from that evening, but if you uh, are interested in that story, the next time you see her, you should say, hey, tell me about drinking margaritas at the Jimmy Buffett show. (laughs) I know Chase Squires has a good story about uh, Jimmy Buffett concerts, too, but I'm not going to tell that for him either. I'm sure he does. (laughs) I'm sure he does. Right now. (laughs) Look, at the end of the day, you know what you're getting with this. It's a holiday on the beach with warm breezes. It's all in the title cold breaks with umbrellas, pleasant evenings. I don't know what the weather's like where you are at Christmas, but I'm looking out my window and it's cold and rainy. So that sounds pretty it was great in, to me. It was 45 degrees when I walked the dog this morning. So it's... it's Yeah. So, you know, Jimmy's Jimmy's given us a little uh, alternate yeah. reality to live in there for 3.6 minutes no or whatever it is. Speaking of alternate reality, here's the song from 1986. It's Christmas at Let us know. 
of all humanity No more time for last minute shopping It's time to face your final destiny Christmas at Ground Zero by Weird Al. Oh my god. I thought you said no novelty yeah, songs. I'm, I know we said no novelty songs. And look, I'm sorry and I'm not sorry. I know. But look, 86 is a weird year for Christmas tunes that aren't re-recorded classics. And the only other one I could really find was John Anderson from Yes's Easier Said Than Done from his solo uh, album Three Ships, neither of which I had ever yeah, heard no, of. No. And if the song had even a little holiday to it, then I would have gone with it, but no. So Weird Al gets the nod. Look, to be clear, not a song about 9-11's Ground Zero. Nobody is that crass. This was recorded in the 80s, for God's sake. And like kids that are listening right now, back in the day, Ground Zero meant where an atom bomb went off, not where the World Trade Center collapsed. Mm. To be clear. Song is a style parody of like a Phil Spector type Christmas song in the 1960s. More on that in a minute. And it makes light of Cold War paranoia as Yankovic celebrates one final holiday while the atom bombs fall around him. He described it as, I quote, a cheery little tune about death, destruction, and the end of the world. <laughs> That's weird now. Yeah, his label did not like this song one bit, although they were the ones who said, hey, Al, why don't you do a Christmas record? <laughs> okay. You're asking for it. Yeah, you stuck your foot in that one, buddy. I've I've seen him twice now live. Once was great. He did all his greatest hits. Uh, Once was awful. He played nothing but his B-sides, and we walked Mm. out after about five songs. Oh, Weird Al. But Weird Al got to keep the ticket money anyway. Wah, wah. I never did see that that, uh, documentary starring uh, or that biography or biodoc with Daniel Radcliffe. I never saw it. It's f***ing weird. (laughs) It's right there in the title. We watched the whole thing. It just like kind of mouths agape, like what possibly could happen next? Yeah. It's, it's it's ridiculous and absurd, which I guess is par for the course. I know. Okay. Speaking of par for the course, here's the hit from 1987. I don't know what we can tell you about this song that you don't already know. That's Christmas and Hollis by Run DMC. And it was written and recorded for charity. It appears on A Very Special Christmas as well as Christmas Rap. It's on two 1987 holiday compilation albums. It is the only original song on A Very Special Christmas. Didn't we do a whole podcast on this album wasn't it one of the very first ones i remember? It was like my very second one with yes, you. yes. that's right okay yes. i thought so yep so i'm not going to get too far into this because it gives me flashbacks to those days when i barely knew what i was doing which is like three days ago track samples from the 1968 soul tune backdoor santa by clarence carter and steve i just have one question <laughs> for <don't> you <laughs> who's the money for me and the money's for me Bam, 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 bam. Bam. Yeah, I, 
I hear this song in my sleep, and I, that's not a bad thing. Uh, you're right. You're right. It isn't. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tee this one up for you, Steve, and then I'm just going to let you run with it. 1988's entry in our list is as follows. The song Fairy Tale New York is actually a love letter to the city that uh, Pogue's frontman Shane McGowan first visited in the mid 80s. It's the story of an Irish couple that immigrates to America to fulfill their dreams, but they end up destitute, but not broken. Much of the song's imagery is formed from the images Shane found in movies and books growing up. Hence, you get cars big as bars and rivers of gold, and you get the boys of the NYPD choir singing the song Galway Bay. Never mind that there is no NYPD choir. The the band you actually see in the music video is the pipes and drums of the Emerald Society of the New York Police Department. Uh, legend has it the song was a bet between Shane and Elvis Costello, who bet that the band couldn't come up with a holiday duet that was appropriately slushy. I believe the word is. Uh, the song was released as a Christmas single in 1987, and it almost became a... UK Christmas number one, but it was stopped at number two, blocked by the Pet Shop Boys and their cover of Always On My Mind. I think it's still safe to say that Shane won that bet with Elvis. By the way, if you're looking for a little extra kismet, uh, Shane McGowan was actually born on Christmas Day in 1957. He passed away this year in November at age 65 from pneumonia. Last week, his coffin was carried by horse drawn carriage through the streets of Dublin as fans gathered to mourn him. That same week, Brad, Fairytale New York went to number one on the charts in Ireland. Mm. It is a sad song, and and for whatever reason, I, there is a relationship between sadness and Christmas, and I was, I was re-watching It's a Wonderful Life the other day. Okay. And I, I probably only watch it once every five years, and I forget how sad it is for much of it. Yeah, yeah, it really is not a super uplifting movie until the very last second. And to some degree, this song is the same way. Anytime you start a Christmas song in the drunk tank, right? as it says... Like, um, well, we're off to a different start here. Yeah, this isn't going to be your, your little star at Bethlehem now, is it? It changes at some point and becomes this hopeful tune. I feel like the chorus, when they start singing about the, the boys of the NYPD choir, like that really just starts to soar. And if mm. you don't go with that a little bit, I'm not sure you might be a zombie if, you don't, if your heart doesn't lift up a little bit when they get to that part. Part of the song that always gets me is, um, and I think, I think you've told me before the same thing. There's a line, you took your dreams from me. Mm-hmm. That uh, Kirsty says, and but but then Shane comes back. I kept them with me, babe. I put them with my own. Can't make it all alone. I've built my dreams around you. 
And if if you don't pop to the surface of your malaise at that point, they're, they're really all the eggnog in the world's not going to help you. Yeah, that's that's the, so, that's the payoff. That's the whole payoff for the whole song right there to me. It's yeah, just like, it's oh, it's a love. Oh, you know, they're fighting for the whole song, and yet that moment comes along, and you're like, okay, yeah. So, is it a sad song at times? Sure. Is it mopey? Is it perversely happy? Um, it's all. It's it's like sounds like a metaphor to me. It's it is what you see in it that makes this song so great. What I see in it may not be the same thing that other people see in it. Um, we each take from it what we need, and we go on. After that beautiful moment, I'm going to throw in 1988's honorable mention, Carol of the Bells by Mannheim Steamroller. Look, this <laughs> synthesizer Christmas stuff is, to me, peak 80s in so many ways, and I really think this is the best of the bunch, but it's not good enough to displace Fairytale in New York no, it's from the not. top of the chair and we, the top of the ladder here. It's funny. Uh, I just thought of this. When we were in Germany a couple of weeks ago just to visit the mm-hmm. Christmas markets, Mannheim was one of the cities we stopped in. Ah, and Are at, there any steamrollers? After a couple of uh, mulled wines, which is like like this hot red wine that's spiced, you, you have a, you have a, like three or four of those. And I kept going around telling the same old joke, which was that, you know, in this city, they just call the band Steamroller. Oh, I thought you were going to say, don't let Spearsy show you what he calls the Mannheim Steamroller. Nah. I, go, I, I must have said it like three times. And at one point, Melissa's like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But we, 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 we loved, we loved uh, Mannheim and, and their native son's Steamroller. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, let's close this one out. Here's 1989's entry in our extravaganza. I'm not trying to darken up the day. But help others in need and show them there's a better way. This one's for the children. The children of the world. You know, I'm so happy from 1988 that I'm not going to scream in horror that you picked New Kids on the Block. This one's for the children to close out the decade. You you find me another candidate and nope, I'll happily nope, endorse it. Nope. There's just not much out there. The shelf is pretty bare. You know... I, People always people ask me from time to time, you know, why why don't you like the nineties? And I usually only say two things boy bands and girl bands. I, I don't I, I think they're they were a plague. And sadly the plague began in the eighties. New Kids on the Block is part of them. Um yeah. Every t- I mean, look, yeah, the boy bands are putting down their marker here. So Newkins of the Block in 1989, they're coming off hanging tough, which I know you and I never bought and probably haven't ever heard. And they released a Christmas album the same year. The competition here for this one's for the children was Do They Know It's Christmas 2? Yeah. Sorry, that's a remake of a classic at that point. Yeah, so no, no, no. It's, it's ineligible. So we, you know, we put this on because we have to have something in the year. It wasn't a complete vacuum. Yeah. I, and you know what? I know our listeners, there are listeners here who enjoyed this stuff. Yes. And so, they, were you know, te- they were teenage girls in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. So every you know, single one of your them. boys. <laughs> 
Hey, I get it. We weren't we weren't the intended audience for this. You and I. Yeah, that's and okay. I, 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 I know I read the comments from time to time when people review the podcast and say that these guys bust on the 80s more than they celebrate it. Uh, you know, sometimes we call it like we see it. But but New Kids on the Block was the beginning of the 90s, just like Talking Heads were the beginning, you know, which which right. got started in 77 was the beginning of the 80s. So Yeah, My Sharona, I maintain it's the first single of the 80s, and that's in the late 70s. Yeah. So the seeds from the 90s are being planted yes. here. And the 90s didn't just come along as a some horrible weed on January 1st. <laughs> like kudzu. <laughs> it's, it's, it had its roots in this and and the, this is you know the first flower you could say of yeah of that coming on strong not a, too. Not a I know we respectable flower but a flower nonetheless i mean i know we talked about them some on our stuck at number two series because you know that's what that's what was on the charts then folks so you know it happened <laughs> that's 1989 for you yeah maybe maybe for big 80s trivia on the ship i should should do a new category of like um, questions that make you want to scream, and then have have questions about some of the songs in the you know 1989 that just really seeds of the 90s. Seeds there you go. The There's 90s. a category for you. Seeds of the 90s. Way to pro- the sins of the father. Yeah, just upon the sun. Maybe a way to promote the 90s cruise. But let's go back to the 80s. You know what I'd like to talk about right now? The, the 70s. 70s. Hey, it's time to play uh, Stuck in the Arcade. This is our segi where we play a snippet of a video game, arcade game, whatnot. Life is not whatnot. Uh, And if you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener, which used to be sitting right next to me, but now is mysteriously gone. Oh, no. I'd like to report a missing postal-friendly bottle opener. Somebody's been cleaning my office and has placed things in... (laughs) Spots that I can no longer find them. That's not good. Anyway, <laughs> cast your mind back to episode 683. Here was the mystery video game. That's Robotron. So a lot of people thought that was Defender. They do sound very similar. Yeah, they're using the same sound libraries there over at Williams Electronics. Ask me how I know. <laughs> you know because... No relation. No relation. I don't know. You seem to... It's the third most common last name in the United States, dude. Do you really know that for a fact? What are the... What's, what's the first two? Is it Smith and... Smith and Jones. Wow. You're blessed, man. I mean, do you know how much it sucks to have the last name Spears in the age of Britney Spears? I don't know, pickle. <laughs> Broccoli, asparagus, all those nicknames growing up. <laughs> oh, man, living the dream. Ugh. Living the dream. Of course, I had to be named after some psycho pop singer from the 90s. Anyway. <laughs> well, technically, she was named after you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That makes me feel better. It should. Anyway, we had some winners. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to retire the Scrooged bit. I, I I I'm more than happy to have my last name. It's it's easy to spell and uh, doesn't usually get mispronounced. I'm I'm lucky in so many ways. <laughs> uh, it's a Christmas miracle, Brad. Oh my gosh! Let me read some winners and save us all from the treacle that's accumulating around the microphone. Here we go. Winners this week include Cincinnati Joe, Michelle D, Dan in Omaha, Chuck the Whiskey Booze, 
Jarrell from Boston, Ajax in Coney Island, Alpha Geek, Commodore 64 Will, Tom Korn in Austria, and Chad in NorCal, who speaks for a lot of us when he writes, I never could get good at that game, despite how much of my allowance I sacrificed to it. Yeah, mm. testify, my friend. Testify. I could not play this game. My brain is not capable of move one direction, shoot the other direction. I just I can't do it. No, no. I mean, I, I'm sure we've covered this before, but what was the one game you were really good at? That, that if you had to like stretch your quarter as far as it could go, what game would do it for you? It, probably one of the Galaga series. Yeah, yeah. I was really bad at. I'm still really bad at Pac-Man amazingly so even though there's a pattern you can memorize and pretty much you know defeat Rule it the world I can't do yeah. it i can't still i just i have no mind for it i think um yeah. i was yeah it was galaga or zaxxon for me so oh yeah zax i love the look of zaxxon but again my brain can see a an isometric view but it cannot align things isometrically <laughs> well at least Wow. At least I know the name, right? Can't believe you went Ray, there this Brad. episode. Wow. <laughs> Freaking nerds. <laughs> uh, spin the wheel. Find out who's the winner. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. By the way, I did finally catch up with uh, Commander Bourbon. We, we oh, good. renewed our pen pal-manship, whatever it's called. Exchange Excellent. I'm sure store. your pen pal-manship is very good, yeah. Steve. Uh, looks like it's going to land on Ajax in Coney Island. Okay. It's a part of New York I have not been to yet. Drop us a mailing address, and I will get a postal-friendly bottle opener out to you directly. Good. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's uh, mystery arcade clip. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Ooh. <clears throat> I must be over with my cold. And tune in mm. soon to find out if you're a winner. We will be right back after this commercial break. I don't know what I'd do without McDonald's gift certificates. A book of five for five dollars. And for just 99 cents more, I got one of these. McDonald's Christmas Bear. There's a family of four to collect. Two to decorate the tree. One to wrap a present. And I got this one for someone special. My son, Andrew. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> It's a good time for the great taste of McDonald's. Christmas bears, 99 cents each with the purchase of a $5 book of gift certificates. And we're back. We've got a few minutes left. Just wanted to thank everybody who supports us this year through the Patreon program. Those of you who become patrons, it's it's like a dollar a month or $2 a month, or you can pay by the year if you want. You get access to the to the Stuck in the 80s blog. You get advanced notice on podcasts. You get invited to the monthly zoom happy hours we need to Ooh, I... yeah should we do a zoom i was about to message <laughs> should we do one for should we do one should we do one for the holiday i, I guess we're kind of running out of time yeah I, I think everyone's gonna be too busy for that we'll we'll do one early next yeah. year i, I just I... We'll, we'll do a we'll do a new year's brunch kind of thing <laughs> we'll kick it off we'll kick it off next year early yeah um had two new ones since we last talked uh, roger and kelly hargis thank you both and yeah, thank you so much. Look forward to every single one look of forward you. Forward to meeting you in the Zoom happy hours. Um, this is it, man. This is the last show of the year. So, Steve, what's what are your personal favorite holiday songs right now? Like, what's the stuff that's on your? If you're starting a playlist of holiday songs, what goes on there, top of the charts for you right now? I, I do like the Sinatra stuff. I, I like. Yeah, 
he's got a version of Twelve Days for Christmas that where he changes all the gifts to something. Oh, really? Something more like okay. In a lovely apricot tie, something like that. <laughs> uh, I will say it pained me a little to leave Bob and Doug McKenzie off this mm, list, but I had to do it. That's, I had to do it. That is missing. Yeah, that's that's a good one. I I don't. I mean, five bucks is five bucks. <laughs> Getty Lee, don't ever leave us, Getty Lee. I I don't know. I you know when I was growing up, we were subjected to a lot of the uh, Perry Como and. Stuff like that that my parents would okay. play, and so I in my my head I still hear that stuff. Sure. So yeah, Katie's dad turned me on to uh, the Herb Alpert Christmas yes. album titled Christmas Album. <laughs> I probably I've talked about it before because I just love that album. It's so good. Nineteen sixty eight. Any of that stuff, the old the old stuff, I love. I, like like we said before, I try to stick away from the the retreads. And um, two thousand miles is is always going to be special to me. So is obviously yeah. fairy tale of New York. That, I think it it starts and ends with me for for that song. And um, I think it strikes the right note for me every year. And okay. I can find the goodness in it. I can find the if if that's what I'm feeling, and I can find the uh, the sadness in it if that's what I'm craving. Yeah, it's it's all there for yeah. you. I, I will say, I, and this is as much a surprise to me as it will be to all of you, gentle listeners, that last year a new to me song entered my holiday patterns, and I can't get rid of it. It is beloved to me, and that is Kelly Clarkson's "Underneath the Tree." Ooh. I could not name a single <laughs> Kelly Clarkson song, but that, and I can't tell you where I heard it, but oh my god, what a banger! It is <laughs> banger. A f- Banger. Wow, F-bomb city. I said something earlier about the Phil Spector style. This is It's a total wall of sound production where you've got like five guitars playing the same part and a couple different keyboards playing the key parts. And it's just this richness of tone. And look, I don't know from nothing about Kelly Clarkson, but that woman can sing. <laughs> At the end when she goes up to get that last chorus, she, just, she goes up there and she just breaks those notes. It's, oh, I love that song. <laughs> So I know it's not '80s, but give it a listen. You get a little bit of a you know some insight into what makes Brad tick. Yeah. Perhaps we hope you enjoyed our virtual Christmas number ones list. Turn it into a playlist if you like. Pick your favorite, and uh, have a really super great and safe holiday season because we want to see you again in 2024. Don't worry about Brad and I. We'll be safe. We're sitting right here, hopelessly stuck in the '80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>